Good evening, church. All three of you know who you are. That's great. It's all right. When Dr. Collins gets done, you'll know who you are. Now, but two kinds of people in this room, saints and ain'ts. And tonight be a good night to get that settled. Amen. I want you to take your copy of God's Word. Go to the Gospel according to John. The Gospel according to John. I want you to find the first chapter of the Gospel according to John. I am uh, simply going to um, uh, prayerfully set the tenor and the tone for just a moment and get out of the way for uh, one of the prince of preachers uh, in our land today, Dr. Rock Collins. Dr. Glinton, uh, Denton, thank you for the honor of being back here as I rode through your beautiful city and uh, made my way through the square a little bit later than I anticipated. <laughs> uh, I-40 does not always cooperate with uh, my plans. I was uh, thinking and celebrating uh, almost three decades of the ministry that has impacted this city right out of the epicenter of this church. And I applaud you in the Lord Jesus Christ for your impact, your influence, and for following the man of God. Amen. You know, we, I, I know I am a pastor, and this is a biased statement, but it, that doesn't make it untrue. We can get a whole lot more done as Baptists if we just follow God's man and quit fighting and fussing and thinking more of the bylaws than we do the Bible. And I applaud you for following God's man and uh, all that you've done over almost three decades. He is uh, one of my dearest friends. I love him deeply. And if he should go before I do, I will show up in a suit and tie. But I'm bringing that Episcopalian woman priest with me. <laughs> just to see if he kicks the top off that box. Amen. <laughs> Would you rise out of reverence for the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, an authoritative word. I, I, I need to um, move a little bit through the text for the sake of time. I, I need to start at verse 29, and then we'll move through down to verse 36. So if you'll find chapter 1, verse 39, uh, 29. Uh, chapter 1, verse 29. I'm not sure what I just said. <laughs> the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Now, if you would, drop to verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, that be John, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour, and one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon. And he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being translated or interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there be any spirit that's not of the Holy Spirit, that you'd simply escort it out of here. There are people here tonight who've skipped a meal. They've not been home. They've, had, they've labored long today. And they've come here not to hear from a man. Dr. Collins and I admit right up front, we don't have anything to give 
to meet the need in this room. But we do declare there is one who is able exceedingly above and beyond all we could think, hope, or imagine. So in the name of Jesus, hide us behind the cross. Exalt your son. Liberate your spirit in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, When you get to John chapter 1, beloved, you are coming into a major paradigm shift. In fact, not to speak um, uh, in exaggerated terms, but certainly I think in in accurate terms, I pray that it has not missed, you've not missed, nor has it gone unnoticed in your spirit that America's pastor has stepped from this world to the next. Last week, we watched what I believe is a major spiritual paradigm shift in this land. I believe, as uh, has been said by multiple people, that the Moses of our day was graduated into glory, and Joshua always follows Moses. Joshua, the Old Testament name of the New Testament name, Yeshua, Jesus. When you get to John chapter 1, you are dealing with a major paradigm shift. There is a There is a spiritual shift that's coming about. And sometimes because the carnal man receiveth not the things of God, they tend not to see. They're not able to weigh. They're not able to watch. They do not have the capacity to discern the dimension wherein they're living in. I suspect in my spirit that we are in a similar season spiritually in this land. Let me see if I can illustrate what I'm trying to say because sometimes it's hard to see what's coming at us. Uh, I recently uh, heard about an elderly gentleman who had been a widower for a long, long time, and uh, his children, adult children, had decided they wanted to honor him. They they were tired of watching Dad spend his days alone, and and, uh, Mom had been gone for some time, and they all went together, and they bought Dad one of those senior adult singles cruise tickets. Boy, Dad reluctantly, he, he didn't want to go, but reluctantly he got on that big old beautiful cruise ship and he was walking up the, 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 the gangway to get on and they were teaching him how to put their life jackets and, and go through the process if anything were to happen. And he noticed while he was going through the, the, the drills that there was a, a rather attractive senior adult lady that just kept kind of looking at him. You ever had somebody look at you and you wonder, you know, do they know me? I don't, I don't remember them, but they look like they know me. And he, she was staring at him with great familiarity, and, but he didn't know her. And well, the next morning he got up to have his coffee and he was enjoying the beautiful vista of the blue waters of the ocean. And there she stood just across the way and she was looking at him, you know, kind of smiling like, I know you and I know you know me. And he thought, I, I just don't know her. And she kind of glared at him a moment and winked her eye. And well, that evening they were, they were in the beautiful banquet, banquet room, the ballroom. They were having a meal and she was staring at him across the table. And he said, you know, I must know. Maybe she knew my first wife. Maybe, maybe we met somewhere and I just forgot. And so he kind of sauntered over there and he said, ma'am, I don't mean to be forward, but you, you know, since I've gotten on this, this ship, you, you, you just look at me like you know me. And she said, oh, you, you, I, she said, I just got to tell you, you, you look like my fifth husband. He said, what? Yes, you look like my fifth husband. He said, well, how many times have you been married? She said, four. (laughs) Well, some are slower than others, amen? That's 
that's exactly what's going on in this text. That's exactly what's happening here. If, if you're not familiar, if you approach this text in, in classic American Christian fashion and you just read it, and these are not wrong ways to read it. If all you do is read it devotionally or purely theologically without letting the, the word lift up off the page and set down in your spirit, if you do not tour the text and do what J. Vernon McGee said, get on the Bible bus and press your face against the window and smell the air and meet the characters and and interview those who are interchanging in the divine interception of inspiration in the Spirit, you've got to find out what's going on. You've got to remember that for 400 years, the heavens have been brass. For 400 years, they have developed the ability to have church without God. The epic closed in the Old Testament, as we would call it, as goyim and as Gentiles. We, we, would, we would say the Old Testament closed with the voice of Malachi and the heavens became brass, and the prophets passed off the scene. And any time prophets pass off the scene, something's wrong spiritually. Uh, so when you get to John, this wild-eyed, camel-hair-wearing, locust-eating, leather-lung, snot-slinging, pew-jumping, devil-chasing, Baptist preacher. Let me try it on this side over here. <laughs> You have this unconventional character that has not even decided to make his religious headquarters in the epicenter. He's not even in the city, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He's, he's gone outside the system. It's a powerful picture. Sometimes, sometimes, beloved, in order for God to move, he's got to move outside the rigors of religion and the routine of the church to get in with his people. John standing in that valley, standing, I have stood just in the exact spot. I'm telling you, it, 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 there, it is not incidental nor accidental that if, when you get to the book of Joshua and they're crossing over, it's a picture, not, 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 not just of, of, of the literal historical moving of the slaves, the seed of Abraham into the promised land. Moses, my servant, is dead. Yahshua, Joshua has come on the scene. And when they cross that Jordan River, there's a prescribed way to do it. Take 12 stones and lay them in the river where God has heaped up the water. And those men stood, those priests stood. In fact, I did the math not long ago. And do you know, I was, I, I, we tend to read the Bible more Walt Disney than we do Holy Ghost. And I thought to myself, well, you know, they probably stepped in the floodwaters. It receded and, and backed up and heaped up. And they stood there for a few minutes until everybody got over. But the problem with that is, if you do the math, you're talking about somewhere between one point. Two to 1.6 million people. So at a minimum, at a minimum, these priests stood with the ark, which is a symbol. It's a symbol of Jesus Christ. It's, it's wood wrapped in gold. It's humanity, uh, 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 it's deity and humanity come together. It's humanity wrapped in deity. It's a picture of Jesus Christ coming to shed the blood. They had to stand there a minimum of somewhere between eight and a half to 12 hours for 1.2 million people to pass through. And that's with livestock and children. And some children I met, they could have been there for three days. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> My wife and I recently decided not to have children. Our kids are taking it very badly. <laughs> it's a picture of passing over. Now, now I'm going to say this and I'm going to move quickly. Because I want you to get a hold of the declaration. Look at your neighbor and say there was a declaration. An absolutely undeniable declaration of what's happening. John is strategically standing in the very spot wherein 
Joshua led them across into the promised land. The promised land is not, is, is, is our hymnology sometimes, our hymns do us a bit of a disservice. We tend to sing as Canaan's going to be heaven. You know, I cast a wishful eye on stormy, the stormy banks of Jordan I stand. And we tend to think of, of Canaan as heaven. It, it's, it's not heaven. It's not heaven. Bertha Smith said it this way. Canaan is a picture of the promise that was purchased for the believer who should possess what he was purchased to possess. Cain is not a picture of heaven. It's a picture of the spirit-filled life. It's a picture of not us just simply getting saved and, and going through the drudgery of life. It is a picture of the fact that we are now seated in the heavenlies. We are now more than conquerors through Christ. We are now living from victory to victory, from glory to glory. Canaan is not a picture of heaven because in Canaan, although there are houses they did not build and there are vineyards they did not plant and there are wells they did not dig and they're going to live in the promise of the land, it's a picture of the spirit-filled life because there's also battles. There's Canaanites and Pezzarites and Chigarbites and Terminites. You understand what I'm saying? It's already been purchased, but in order to, to possess what, you, what, what has been purchased, you've got to, by faith, put your feet on it. Most believers got saved just enough to be miserable and hope to get to heaven someday. John shows up on the scene with this radical paradigm shift, standing in the very spot that, that they passed over into possess the land. Why is that important? Because when he goes down, he goes down to baptize Jesus. Jesus is baptized beyond the Jordan. I'll be there in November teaching prophecy in, the, in, in Israel. I will land in Tel Aviv on her 70th anniversary. A generation, Doc, is 70 years. I mean, let me time out on the field. I'm going to say this very quickly. You are living in the most incredible absolute, undeniable, prophetic time that any generation's ever lived in. It is, it is pregnant with the anticipation that at any moment, any moment, any moment, any moment, let me say the way I say it in East Tennessee, old Gabriel's going to toot and we're going to scoot. Can I get a witness in the house? You, you, you have the budding of the fig tree, May the 14th, 1948. Isaiah asked this question, who has seen such a thing that a nation should be born in a day? I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's seen it. We've seen it. We beheld it. We are watching the unfolding of it. Do you know not only did Israel walk back into the land, a people scattered to the four ends of the earth, a language that was dead, a land that was languishing, walked back in on May the 14th, 1948. David Ben-Gurion rattled a gavel and they flew the star of David and they will not be removed from that land again. And not only, not only, not only that, but, but a generation is 70 years. You're in the 70th year of the budding of the fig tree. And for the first time in 2,500 years and only two times in the history of the nation of Israel has ever the temple, the, the, the religious leaders of Israel ever acknowledged a goyman, a Gentile, Cyrus, 2,500 years later, they are embossing Donald Trump's picture on a temple coin with the background of Cyrus and the, and the front of Donald Trump because he has declared that Jerusalem will be where the embassy's at. That's not political. That's not political. Now, it has a political component, beloved, but it is prophetic. That, that's, why, that's why you've got to understand what John's doing. He's standing in the midst of the Jordan. Jesus is going to be baptized beyond the Jordan. Why did Joshua say, why did God tell Joshua put down 12 stones in the, in the, in the Jordan and then go put 12 more as a memorial on the shore on the, on the promised land side because he knew that there was coming a day when this miracle child who was born from a senior adult couple 
Right, they're working on that. Hold on a minute. When, when Elizabeth went to get her pampers, she picked up her depends. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now you're with me. John, this unconventional, unsanctioned, rebel-rousing, gospel-preaching man is standing in the very spot that Joshua was instructed to pass over. And when he's standing in the midst of the Jordan and Jesus comes, listen to the declaration, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. They stood, I believe, with everything in me. I've dedicated my life to studying it from the Hebraic side. I believe with everything in me, both historically, biblically, and from the Judaic side, that where Jesus was baptized was beyond the Jordan because it's the very spot where that Israel passed over and when John stood and preached, he was standing on those 12 stones that they had planted in the bottom of that Jordan River because God's word, not one jot, not one tittle, not one period, not one comma will ever fail to come to pass. So, 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 so for the sake of understanding very quickly, I want you to listen to the declaration. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, because we have become a little bit Calloused. I hate to use that word, but it's true. We've, we've become a little bit used to understanding. We, we know because we understand that the Passover lamb is a picture. It's a prophecy of the lamb of God. It is not incidental or accidental that, the, that Jesus Christ of, of the seven feast days in the Bible, four in the spring and three in the fall, of the seven, of all seven that he could have been crucified if he were crucified on any. Is it not amazing to you, beloved, that he was crucified on the day of Passover? So we tend to think of the, these Hebrews as uneducated uh, Neanderthals. You know, they just really didn't know. They didn't know that, that Jesus, he snuck up on them. That's what he did. <laughs> oh, you got to read your Bible to cure your ignorance. No, he didn't sneak up on them. He'd been shouting from the very verses of Genesis, I'm coming. I'm coming in the seed of the woman. I'm coming as a Passover lamb. I'm coming as a scarlet that you found in the harlot's house. I'm coming as a wheel within a wheel. I'm going to be the Gilead of uh, the balm of Gilead. I'm going to be the rose of Sharon. He's been screaming throughout 39 books of the Old Testament. He's been screaming, I'm coming, I'm coming. He even told him in Daniel chapter 9, this is the calendar in which I'm coming on. In fact, when they come back 69 weeks, you can anticipate that when we walk back into the city, which is a miracle, which I might reiterate one more time, was permitted by a man by the name of Cyrus who was a Gentile. When that week has come, Yeshua Messiah will show up. You need to be looking. He says in Luke chapter 19, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, if you'd only been paying attention, if you'd have just read the book. Do you know how many believers are going to be taken off guard because they just didn't read the book? They just didn't read the book. See, beloved, we're not, we're not living in a, time of the, uh, in, 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 in a time we're looking for the signs. We're listening for a shout. That's right. yeah. there, there's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled for the, for the Messiah to come get the bride. There are no prophecies that need to be fulfilled. Every prophecy in Matthew chapter 24, 25, and 26, everything that is, that is prescribed prophetically it points to the second coming. So there is a profound difference. You know this. You've had almost three decades of one of the premier Bible teachers in this land teaching you the rapture is when we go up to meet him. He doesn't come back here. For the, you, know, you know the prescription by Paul's pen in Thessalonians. He said, the Lord will descend with a shout. The trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise. Elmer Town said that's evidence that the Baptists go first. 
I didn't say it. Elmer Town said it. <laughs> Those of us that remain, just be caught up. We tend to translate it in the American language as the, as the blinking of an eye. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says in the twinkling of an eye, which is literally the speed of light, 187,000 miles per second. We're sitting in the midst of, of a world that's decaying and on its way to hell. And in 187,000, 86,000 miles per second, pff, heaven, we're going to drop this bag of bones, be translated in a moment, and go home. Yeah. It's a paradigm. It's a paradigm. John is, John is shifting. He's sifting. He, every Hebrew knew what he was saying. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. They'd been practicing it for over 2,000 years, applying the blood, celebrating the Passover. Their great liberator, Moses, they came out with victory from, from Egypt. They'd been, for 2,000 years, they'd been painting the picture and, and the promises. And how could they miss it? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins. Lord, I'm telling you, those who had ears to hear and a heart to obey, the Spirit leaped inside of them. They knew something was going on. I, we talk about revival, Dr. Denton. The, the, the issue is not God's willingness to give revival. I believe heaven is, is, is longing to open up the windows of heaven and pour it out upon us. The problem is, beloved, that we want revival on our terms and not God's. We, we, we have a prescribed way that we want it. And every time the Spirit of God sets down to do it, we reject it because it doesn't look like our religious expectation. John did not look like a well-groomed Southern Baptist Seminary trained middle-class white boy. Amen. People harass me all the time. They say to me, you know, you know, you know, Brother Jeff, you don't preach like a Baptist. And your hair, that's not Baptist hair. We, in fact, we're not even sure it's your hair. We think you glued it on. But, but you, 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 you make us nervous. You'd be better off in an assembly of God. I told God that one time. God said, no, they got all you, they can stand. You, you my joke on the Baptist, amen. You showed me one time, one time God showed up in the Word of God and did something miraculous, and his people sat like a, like a bullfrog on a log and grunted at him. They rejoiced in his presence. Do you hear the declaration? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, now look at your neighbor and say, that's a declaration. Here comes the determination. Look at verse 41. And he, now we're talking, about, we're talking about Andrew at this point, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Now the declaration stirs up a couple of boys, and they start following Jesus. Now Andrew is easily identifiable. You've heard this said numerous times. One of the characteristics of who he is is that he's always bringing people to Jesus. When it gets time for Jesus to take a little boy's Captain D snack pack and turn it into an all-you-can-eat buffet, guess who brings him? Andrew. Andrew brings him. He said, I found this boy with, with a Captain D snack pack, got some hush puppies and some fish in there. And, in, and, and, and they'd already met and had a business meeting because the, the committee said, what are these among so many? <laughs> Can I translate that for you? We didn't budget this. and ain't nobody budgeted this. And besides that, all the plates and cups, my, I mean, we got to have homecoming. And, and we use all the plates and cups on this. We ain't going to have any plates and cups for the next thing. So we didn't budget this. And he's a little boy. We don't like little boys in our building. We built pretty buildings. And if we bring him in our building, he's going to rub boogers on stuff. We don't need <laughs> You bring him back when you debugger him. We don't want him boogered. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back over here. So... 
So watch this. Watch, here's the determination. Watch this. When there's a declaration of the Spirit of God raises up a prophet and he makes a declaration, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, there's, there, there's a component that begins to ripple across the bride and the body of Christ. Andrew, I know in the English text, in the English translation, it's not obvious. And I'm not telling you this because I'm proficient in it because I'm not. But I have spent $100,000 in higher education <laughs> so that I could tell you that I know some guys that know what that means. <laughs> Amen? Because I'm, I'm, y'all know my testimony. I'm a high school dropout. I, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, dropped out of high school. I was messed up. I couldn't even read the Bible that I'm preaching to you tonight. I couldn't read it. I didn't get hooked on phonics till I was in my 20s. So what I'm about to tell you is only because I spent a lot of money to meet some guys in seminary that could tell me this is what this means. When it says he first findeth his own brother, Simon, the language there is, is so much more powerful and picturesque. It's a first active indicative imperative language, which means this. It does not mean that when he went to him, he immediately relented and came with him. If I could say it this way, he went to him and he had to keep going to him and he had to keep going to him. And he, he, didn't, just, he didn't just say, whoa, boy, I tell you, I heard John was shucking the corn and throwing the cob. I believe I want to get in on that real Bible conference. That is not what happened. This is a man whose heart is hurt. He's been wounded by religion. He, he has grown up in a temple that had all of the activity, but none of the anointing. It had all of the religious fittings, but it had none of the presence and power of God. I just, I just learned this about the city that we're ministering to. I live in, in the Knoxville area, and I, I, I just learned this because God brought this man into my path from, from the West, and he had just finished this study about our city. Knoxville, Tennessee is one of the first cities in America where they have studied. We have today in Knoxville, Tennessee, two groups. Now, when Brother Glenn came here 30 years ago and we were knocking on doors, we, we would find basically two kind of people. We'd knock on the door, and you were either lost or saved. You were born again or you did not know Christ. That was it. Well, that's not even how they classify them anymore. We have in Knoxville what we call the Duns and the Nuns. D-O-N-E and the N-O-N-E. The Nuns, they, 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 have, they have no relationship. They, they are not anything. They're lost. We now have in the Knoxville, Tennessee area more Duns, D-O-N-E, than we have Nuns. They, ha they have been to church. They've been part of a church. They walked an aisle, signed a card, got in a baptistry. They've served on committees. They've been a part of building campaigns. They, they know what it is. And the problem, it's very similar to what happened to me when I first started going overseas to preach the gospel. They said to me, uh, Jeffrey Thomas, you're going to have to have inoculations. That's a big old word. I didn't know what that meant. I went home and looked it up. Inoculation means I was going to have to have my immunizations. And I, I, I hate needles. I hate them. So I, I called my family doctor. I said, Doc, they're telling me I got to have some shots before I go overseas. And she said, You do? She said, Where are you going? She looked it up. She said, In fact, you're going to have to have 21 of them. I said, God ain't in this. God does not want me to go to Africa. The Holy Ghost saith. <laughs> I said to the Lord, Lord, I hate needles. I, don't, I can't take 21 needles. And, and it was a series of shots. You couldn't even get them all at once. You had to get them over a period of time. About the third or fourth visit into, the, into, into getting my shots, I said to my, my doctor, I said, Doc, tell me something. Um, what exactly is, is inoculation? She said, well, I'll tell you, Pastor, this is the deal. She said, what we're really doing is we're giving you just enough of the 
sickness, the disease, to not catch the full-blown deal. Some of the Holy Ghost went off in my spirit and said, ding, 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 ding. My God in heaven, I pastor people like that all over the country. They got inoculated. They got just enough of it to never catch the whole deal of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's exactly what's going on. That's exactly what's going on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Simon Peter said, no, I'm telling you, I've had it every time I go to the temple. All they want to talk about is money. Well, you don't mind going off down here to the Titans. Cost you $100 to get in a seat that you're going to have hemorrhoids for seven days after you get through sitting in it. You're going to pay $14 for a flat Coke after a drunk throws up on you and you, and, and you got P.U. going down your backside. And then, then you're going to pay to watch a bunch of grown men with, a, with an inflated bladder from a pig run up and down the field knocking each other down. And you're going to get mad at the referees, but you ain't never said, well, all they did was want my money and I ain't never going back because I don't like the way the referee called the game. You ain't never said that. You ain't never said that. In fact, you go down there and stand in the rain and pay them to sit in the rain. Oh, I feel the love up in here. Hey, Simon, we found him. We found, I don't care who you found. I'm telling you, I'm done. I'm finished. And we are living in a post-Christian nation, beloved, that is sick and tired of church as usual. They're sick of bylaws and business meetings. They're sick of men that ain't got any more. They wouldn't know God in a 10-acre field that want to tell the man of God how he's supposed to preach. Brother Jeff, if you'll lower your voice, we'll raise your pay. You keep your stinking pay, buddy. You'll have to starve God out of heaven before you starve me out of the pulpit. Listen to me. We have so impugned the gospel that when we go to take it to them, they say there's no power in it. He just had to keep going and he, had, he, did, he didn't relent the first time. There is a clear declaration. There is, there is a determination. You are not going to win this nation to Jesus post-Christian. You're not going to do it with one simple invitation. We're in a day and time, beloved, we're, unlike any other time. Now, I'm not a pessimist. I believe we're in a great time because we're about to find out who's authentic. Reminds me of a Baptist preacher who moved into a new church and and he, he, was, he, he had a beautiful home with a big yard. And, and, and down the sidewalk every day, this 12-year-old boy would come. And he, he made up his mind. He said, I'm, I'm going to win that young man to the Lord. So he walked out on, the, on, on his lawn one day. And he said, hey, young man, uh, where do you go to church? He said, preach. I don't go to church. He said, that ain't for me. Well, he engaged him a little bit. And a couple of days later, he came back by. And he said, hey, 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 young man, we're having, a, we're having a great time at the church. You ought to come. Our youth group is going to have a big old blast, big party. And he said, no, preach, that ain't for me. I'm telling you. He said, where are you, where are you going? He said, well, I have a lawn care business. I, I, I cut grass on Sundays. Well, it, just a day or two later, he come pushing old war out lawnmower by. And the preacher got an idea. He, he stepped out there and he said, where are you going with that old worn out lawnmower? He said, well, I'm taking it down here to sell it. He said, son, I just moved to town. I need a lawnmower. I need a lawnmower. He said, what will you take for it? He, he, he popped off a price for the preacher. preacher bought it right there. He said, well, well, while you're here, let's go and crank it up since I bought it. And He reached over and he jerked that cord. Nothing. He reached over and jerked that cord again. Nothing. He said, son, um, I just bought this lawnmower from you. He said, does it run? He said, oh, yes, sir. He said, well, uh, he reached over, pulled again, third time, nothing. He said, son, I, I don't believe this lawnmower runs. He said, this is my granddaddy's lawnmower. He gave it to him from a business. He said, now I'm going to tell you this lawnmower right here, the way you have to start, you have to cuss it to make it start. <laughs> he said, son, I'm a Baptist preacher. I, 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even remember how to cuss. He said, keep jerking that cord. You'll come back to you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> don't y'all look all pious. I've been on I-40 and I drove through your town. I didn't cuss. I rolled it down, threw it out the window, but I didn't cuss. Anytime there's a declaration, there's got to be a determination to take the message into the darkness. Now watch this. I'm done right here and Dr. Rock's coming. Now watch this. Watch this. His determination is, I'm I'm not giving up until God lets up the burden. Now I am imposing that a little bit on the text, but I believe that because he, he, he he didn't quit. Aren't you thankful to God somebody didn't quit and give up on you? Aren't you thankful to God? You, you, whoever it was, a praying mama, believing daddy, a soul winner, aren't you thankful to God that the first time somebody presented the gospel that the Holy Ghost didn't just walk off from you and say, you ain't striving with him anymore. I'm not dealing with him anymore. Aren't you thankful to God that your pillow became a rock and your bed a board and your food bland? Aren't you thankful to God that he hunted you down with the hounds of heaven and when you were too absolutely lost to know you were lost, he dropped the veil and showed you were lost and then gave you the faith to get saved you didn't even have? Thank God! for that. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. You move from the determination from, from the declaration to the determination. Now watch the transformation. He walks up to Simon Peter. He walks up to Simon Peter and he sees him and he says, thou art thou art Simon, son of Cephas. Now this is where Christianity leaves everything else in the dirt. This is where Buddha stays in the grave. This is where Muhammad stays where Move on. This, this, this is where Christianity leaves everything else in the dirt. Because only Christ can say, I know you. I know you. I know you, Jeffrey Thomas LeBorden. They can put a suit on you and a tie around your neck, but I know you. I knew you when you were a drunkard and a druggard. I knew you when you were wicked and you ought, you ought to have been in hell. I knew you when you cursed me and shook your fist to heaven. I knew you as a multi-generational alcoholic. I knew you when you were running around in Robertson County, and if these people knew what you were up there before you came to me, they wouldn't let you in the door, much less in the pulpit. I know you. I know your heart's wicked. I know exactly what you were. I know You ain't fooled nobody in heaven. But I'm telling you, this is where Christianity steps in. It's not a call to reformation. It's a call to resurrection. It's not that I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and got the whole tree upside down. It is that I am now dead in Christ and he that liveth in Christ is a new man that leaves everything. I know you. I know you. I know you. You are Simon, the son of Cephas. You, you suffer from a disease foot in the mouth. You speak before you think. You're impetuous. You're a cussing, fussing, angry fisherman. You are the man. In fact, all you had to do is hang around uh, Simon Peter for a little while. He, he owns, by historical understanding, he owned the largest fishing company in all of the northern part of the Galilee. He's the kind of guy that would stand there for 30 minutes, tell you all that he's done, and at the end of it, he'd say, now that's enough about me. Now tell me what you think about me. <laughs> Y'all ever met anybody like that? He's a man's man. His hands are calloused. His heart is hard. He's a cussing, fussing fisherman. He's an entrepreneur. He built his mother-in-law a house that to this day is impressive. Yeah. My son, when we, I took him over some years ago to study prophecy in the Middle East, and we were looking at the remains of Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house, my son said, Dad, why in the world is this house so big? I said, you ain't got a mother-in-law yet. <laughs> Amen. Every man in here going, I don't believe that, baby. I don't believe that. 
I know exactly who you are. And I, 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 I want you to understand something. When he looked into the heart and the mind, in fact, it says when he looked at Simon, the word there is the word emblepo. It does not mean to take a cursory glance like I'm doing across this congregation. It means to look to the point of being uncomfortable. It means, it, it means have you ever been in a store somewhere and some, somebody's looking at you and, and, and you want to say, take a picture. You ever do that? that it's that kind of look like, hmm, I know. How many of you are, are married to a woman who when you come in thinking you got away with it, <laughs> Before you get through the door, you're confessing it. Any of y'all marry a woman like that? I married a woman with superpowers. Superpowers. I, she could tell me, to, you know, I need you to bring the trash can in from the road. I will pull in. My headlights will hit it. It will be raining. Or if you live in East Tennessee, snowing or snowing and raining or the sun shining in 80 and 12 hours later snowing and raining in ice and I see the trash can and I think, I don't want to get out in this mess. And I, I just ease into the garage and slip through the kitchen and I don't even know where she's at. She's like omnipresent. She's like God. I can hear, did you get the trash can? I don't even know where she's at and I'm under, no, I did not get the trash can. I rebelled. Go get the trash Yes, I'll get the trash can. Come on, man, don't, don't lie. You know. You know good and well you're supposed to do something all day long and you sit there watching ESPN. She comes in from whatever she's been doing and you act, boy, I'm just wore out. I'll tell you, that garage wore me out today. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. And she's going to look at you and go, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. That ain't even what happened today. And you don't know if she knows, but yet you know she knows. That's what that word right there means. That's what it means. Can I say it the way David said it? David said, I, I need to know something. Where can I go? Where, where could I go? If I take the wings of a dove and I, I go up to heaven, you meet me there. If, if you know my going out, you know my coming in, you know my setting down, you know my rising up. Where, where can I go to get away from you? I, 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 I need to know something. Listen to me. It's dangerous to get in a conference like this with men of God like Rock College. It's dangerous to get in a place like this because when the Holy Ghost starts speaking and he's delivering mail to the person sitting in your seat. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, I, God kind of spoke to me. Now, he did not speak to you to entertain you. Revelation brings responsibility. Simon Peter, I know you. I know exactly who you are. And I know, I know that religion says you've got to work your way up to me. But I wrap my son in humanity and put him through the womb of a virgin to become what you are so that you become one of mine. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this. You are Simon. You are Simon. You are Simon, son of Cephas. I understand that. But when I get done with you, you'll be Simon Peter. You're going to be a rock. When I'm finished, they're going to know I've done something that humanity can't take credit for. They can't, the convention can't claim it. Education can't claim it. Reform can't claim it. The church can't claim it. When I get through with you, I'm going to fill you up and pour you out. And when they behold you, they're going to see a trophy of my grace. That cussing, fussing, self-made man is going to be a dude that stands weeping and denying me. But when I get through with you, you're going to stand flat-footed and preach and 3,000 going to come to me in glory. You want revival? You better be careful. You better be careful. Because when the Holy Ghost weaves his way in and he puts his finger on our heart, and he says, I know you. I know you. I, this is who you are. 
But when I'm done with you, this is who you're going to be. Revelation brings responsibility. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege, for the honor to be in a room where you are being exalted. So it is our prayer tonight that you continue to plow, bust up the fallow ground. Lord, let your man come to this sacred desk in a moment, and I pray God fill him up, pour him out, and let him become the John of the hour, the Baptist declaring, Behold the Lamb of God. And when this night is done, it is our prayer that that transformation that only comes through being born again will be a reality. And we will lift up our eyes in these last days and walk in the victory wherewith you have set us free. And all God's people said, amen and amen.